The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. Welcome, we're back on the uh, Chester Borton Hall podcast, the full toss. Uh, my name is Jim Law and together with Lee Dixon we'll look uh, back at uh, a weekend of two halves, I think it's fair to say, and uh, some busy weekends ahead culminating with what will be a Cheshire Cup final on the 5th of September. Right, so on the podcast this time round, it may just about be the end of the junior season, but uh, well, Jamie Griffiths is still hard at work. We'll talk to him about a fantastic summer in terms of getting our little ones up and running. We'll also, of course, as ever, catch up with somebody from the second team. This time round, it's Dan Riley. George Metcalf will tell us about the thirds. And we've also got Luke Young from the first team. This is the Full Toss Podcast. It's Cricket Jim, but not as we know it. Jim Law and Lee Dixon. The Full Toss. What's on at Chester Borton Hall? So, podcast number 56, the full toss rolls on. Here we are again. Uh, what's happening at Chester Borton Hall? It's busy times as we move into August. Bar, of course, open each and every evening. Food available too, of course, and from lunchtimes at weekends. Uh, just to uh, give you a heads up of a couple of things happening uh, cricket-wise towards the end of the season. It's a busy old finale. We have uh, Lancashire Thunder here. On um, Bank Holiday Monday, that's the 30th. And then after that, Lancashire play a three-day game. Lancashire Twos play a three-day game here and a T20 game as well. And then there's the little matter of the Cheshire Cup final. And more about that a little bit later. The Full Toss Podcast. Okay, so before we get into our reviews and previews of last weekend and next weekend, time, I think, to take stock and just reflect on our juniors because uh, the junior season is all but done. Uh, It's been a fantastically busy time. It's been helped enormously by the recruitment of Jamie Griffiths, who spent the summer down in the nets and uh, all around the place uh, bringing our kids through uh, lots of successes across the various age groups. And Jamie was was talked into coming along to Chester in the winter by uh, Robin Fisher and by Dave Atkin. And uh, I've just had the opportunity to catch up with him. So Jamie Griffiths, uh, coaching the youngsters at Chester has never been tougher with uh, so many of them. Uh, you've come in this year and it looks like you've done a great job. How's it been for you, sir? Yeah, Jim, um, I've, I've loved every minute. I think when I come here, um, I think you've been to cricket clubs before and I didn't realise the the extent of how big it actually was. I remember the first Friday, actually I did a Friday. And, <laughs> um, the first Friday I did, I went home and I, I think I fell asleep on my clothes about... <laughs> <laughs> half ten at night so that's when I knew it was going to be a big thing bigger than what it was but yeah Jim I've loved every minute I think the, the way the club welcomed me um, to the cricket club and the way that we've embraced with all the coaches it's been really good I've enjoyed it there's been some really good development after obviously Covid went, we weren't able to put a winter programme together really so so yeah it's gone really well and I've enjoyed it and, and obviously through the success we saw through the season with the the age groups and the 11s winning trophies and the 13s getting to the, the Northern final and the 15s winning the Cheshire Cup. So, yeah, it's been really, we've had really good success, but it's been enjoyable as well. So it's been great. 
And you, you, I know you've been working really hard because uh, I look out the window and see that white car parked down the bottom there, and it seems to have been there pretty much every day over the cricket season. <laughs> yeah, 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 Jim, I, I love it, don't I? It's a, from two years old, I think I was in Braidsley cricket, and I love it down here. I think as soon as you walk through that and you see the ground, you just want to be a part of it. And I've, I've, I've been really chuffed. I've managed to to get here and embrace what's going on with everything. It's a big cricket club and yeah, I've loved every minute of it. So it's been good. I must, must admit, I walked past one, one Friday and there's this fantastic view of uh, the kids. And I always think that uh, a coach should be authoritative uh, and really kind of stand out. And, and there you were. And you, you weren't shouting at them, but because there were so many of them, you were having to speak quite loudly. And you had two long lines and you were waving your finger around and you were saying, now, remember everybody, you play for Chester Borton Hall, which means you're a big club and everybody's after you. Think that, and I just thought that was great. And his kids were just sitting there, going, yeah, oh yeah, right, okay, fantastic. Yeah, I think. Listen, it, it's it comes to the territory, and I think when they're on the stick, I remember, I remember saying to some of the kids, stand there and just look at the pavilion, mm. and I think that just speaks volumes in itself to see how big the cricket club is, and because of how successful the club's been with the seniors and stuff, it's cricket club. All, all the cricket clubs want to beat Chester, and I think. Just making sure that actually there comes a lot of pride and a lot of dignity with the cricket club, yeah. And I think we've done that really well and made the kids understand that actually you got to take a lot of pride in, in in who you play for and and we've really tried to drive about getting the kids to practice and, and get lots of repetition and muscle memory and doing it and doing it and doing it. I think that's and that's from on a Friday night with a little one all the way up to under 15s and older really. And I know you're proud about the, the, the overall achievement, but if you had to pick on a, a, a few specifics, do you want to just just pull those out? I would definitely say I would definitely say Damo's under 13s. I think to to get to that northern final, I think that, that's a massive achievement. Not only to get to the uh, pass the regional side, but get to obviously beat the, the the best team in Nottingham, the best team in Derbyshire, and then to beat the best team in. Uh, Oh, I can't remember now. Um, Ooh, no, well, to, to play the best team from Bradford as well. Obviously, yep. we were unfortunate not to be to win that, but and then obviously um, beat the best team from Lincoln. I mean, that, that, that that's a massive achievement, and I think the way we embraced um, with the under 13s this year, and how we managed to get the under 13s to play, or some of the under 15s that usually play with the under 15s into the under 13s. I think it was, the transition was very good, and I think in the past. I think there's been a little bit of a struggle in that this year, but it just come natural, and we wanted we wanted the best for the cricket club, and I think that that's all come together nicely. And I think, obviously, going forward with the winter stuff, hope like I mentioned to a lot of people, we've only just touched we've only just touched on stuff really. We haven't really been able to go into much depth, so really looking forward to a good winter, and, and hopefully we see more success than we've had. And I guess success for you is not only about you know teams doing as well as Damon's team, for example, but you know the individuals going through. So just looking at that, um, you know, and creating that pathway for those for those juniors, um, how is that looking? Yeah, I think obviously from from the under, I think what's been really good is that obviously we've had all stars on a on a Tuesday night, Jim, and that's filtered through to the new Dynamo CCB program, which is for eight to eleven year olds. On a Monday night, we've had the under eleven, under 11s and the under twelves, and then that's obviously filtered through to the to the Friday nights where um, we've had under thirteens and under fifteens. But I think 
what's been really good this year is that we've, we have created a pathway in relation to teams. So we've given... So under 13s this year, we had three teams. Under 11s, they've had three teams. Under 9s, they've had two teams. So we've created opportunity for sides mm. to play. And I think that's been the most important thing. We've had co- coaches been willing to run sides. And we've created opportunity for all, all the players to play in one, one team. And I think, and then once, obviously, the under 13s has been, I know some of the 13s have played in the under 15s, which is, which is challenging and taking players outside their box, which is always good because as players, you want to be taken outside the box. And I think the next stage now is just, is trying to get these junior players to create a pathway into senior cricket and knock on the door. And obviously, there's a big step to play first team cricket, absolutely. But we've got to try and make sure we try and do that with a second eleven and get these players understand yeah. that actually you've got to you've got to work really hard through the winter to get into the first team. And look, I know that Friday nights are finished for now, but uh, you're not done yet, are you, for the summer? Because uh, you've still got some uh, some holiday camps lined up. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. They've 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 run brilliantly. We've got two weeks left, so next week uh, we've got Monday to Friday, um, and then we've got the last week of the summer holiday. So yeah, so Monday to Friday, nine till three, um, we run very t- we run techni- technical and tactical ones summer camp so that, that's full of depth and I've noticed from the first week when we run one in Easter obviously because we hadn't had um, any winter stuff it worked out really beneficial to all the players and they worked really hard and that's where we're starting to get because obviously we've got a lot of contact time with players and we could hit vo- the volume of balls they bowl in throw in so that was really good so yeah hopefully some, I think we had over 130, 140 wow. boys and girls attended that first week in the summer. So hopefully that's that's the same case for these next two weeks. And they've been really successful and hopefully they continue to be successful. The young lads on the courses have been really good. Will, Matt, everyone has been involved, whether that's been a Monday or a Friday or a Tuesday. It's been fantastic to see the young lads. And they've been good role, model, good role models. I said on our WhatsApp group the other day that that they're fantastic role models for this cricket club and the way they they are about the place they get involved and and that's it made my life a lot easier as well so it's been fantastic and joe as well joe's been brilliant on a tuesday night absolutely fantastic the way she's organized and trying to juggle her work commitments so yeah really pleased with the way everything's gone jim Great stuff. Well, look, we'll put uh, we'll put details on the website. Make sure because I'm sure there's some some places available if people uh, want want to come along. And Jamie, will you will you come back? Um, uh, I know you'll you'll be planning your winter program, so um, maybe in a couple of weeks or so, when it's a little bit clearer, come back and uh, we'll talk about uh, what what's next. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I think in a couple of weeks' time, we've got a I've got a meeting with uh, with, with Dave and Fish and Chris and and Dicko as well. So yeah, absolutely. Once we get the details over the line, we'll be looking to to push that and let parents know of what the next stages of a, of where we go with the cricket club Brilliant. and well, the juniors. Well, well, on behalf of, I guess, parents, coaches, players, and, and the club for that matter, thank you for all your hard work. You've, you've, uh, you know, you've been a breath of fresh air. And uh, uh, here's to the next few weeks, sir. Cheers, Jim. Thanks very much Cheers, for that. Jim. Cheers, thank Jim. You. Appreciate that. Take care. Thank Cheers. you. Match reviews and previews from Chester Porton Hall. So, uh, Lee Dixon, um, a uh, welcome, first of all, of course. Uh, refreshed after half a weekend off, at least. Uh, I hope B&Q was great and uh, very much a weekend of two halves. Yeah, massively so, Jim. Uh, yeah, it was nice to to get the, the, not the day off on Saturday. I hate missing games, but 
Um, yeah, it was nice to kind of have a bit of a chance to recharge the batteries. Uh, me and Albert took ourselves off to Port Sunlight for the second half of the third eleven game. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, no, a, 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 a good weekend with plenty of highlights in, and, uh, and obviously, <laughs> sorry, you didn't you didn't bump into uh, into Warren then in B and Q buying a sort of three by three bit of plywood or anything. Well, no, Warren took it. It just shows uh, creatures a habit. Warren uh, ended up watching the second team. So I've uh, doing our bit, flying the flag for the first team. We went out to the the thirds and the seconds, Brilliant. Uh, respectively. So that that was good. But it just shows. Uh, let, let's hope the kids enjoy going down the club because obviously the dads do. <laughs> uh, but obviously, it all all kind of came together uh, around seven o'clock yesterday afternoon, where. Uh, the sun was coming down on the club and we managed to get, to get over the line again. Something I'm sure we'll speak about in real depth, but what was a, a cracking day down at Falcons Lane? Always good with a full house there, isn't it? A lot of people around. There was a, an event on upstairs, so added to the buzz of the arena, if you like. Um, yeah, um, but look, before that, should we just rewind 24 hours and uh, look at that uh, that testing game at uh, at Witness. I, I know you weren't there, but it was uh, it was fairly lively and obviously you've, you've caught up with, uh, with, with a few souls since as well. Yeah, well, look from from all accounts, and you obviously had a a much better view of it from the score box than I did. It it looked like a a, a tricky start, um, and then a kind of a rebuild at four down. Obviously, Luke and Harry got twenty somethings, um, and then it was a teeth and a Jack Williams put on a a partnership. I've heard several people talk about it of real quality, um, but you know, plenty of boundaries in and around some uh, some good you know some good shot making it's never it's always going to be a good watch with our teeth and jack there and probably a, a real contrast of uh styles jim watching them two back together it, it was very much so i mean very intelligent and instrumentative not that jacks wasn't obviously uh but he just kind of accelerated when he felt it he should do uh waited for the bad ball uh jack of course is uh, in, in flamboyant mood at the moment isn't he and uh, there was one particular I suppose you call it um, uh, a sweet slog sweep. Um, I wouldn't call it a slog, but uh, it was a straight sweep, certainly, that went down to the scoreboard there. And uh, he looked in, in, in great form. He, he did. Uh, and, and the thing for Jack is he's learning to, to bat for longer. You know, he's always been a talented guy. We've spoke about it. He's probably batted at least two or three positions too low because he's been at Chester and been a, a bowler who can bat. Um, but obviously he's been part of our collective success over the years, so been a massive bonus rules having him there he's now starting to back that a little bit further up the order um and you know he's got his his own style he, he, he's definitely a you know very combative batter and i think it's just about him building those little those little kind of almost like linking his innings together because we know he's got that that explosive power um a thief you know in contrast jack tends to go quite a, a long way forward or a long way back. A teeth is very much in the crease, yeah. uh, very much back, you know, within the box. And because he's quite a short fella, even his stride out isn't particularly far down the wicket. But, you know, from all accounts, he played the spinners extremely well, using that depth in the crease. Um, and, uh, you know, 100 in the Premier League is never easy. And the fact he scored it just over a runner ball is fantastic. Uh, we fell away a little bit towards the end. I think we were kind of in two minds when to declare and, the declaration came two overs before the end. 
Um, can I, can I ask you about that? Um, yeah, you can. Just, just as a, uh, you know, somebody picking up that scorecard, well, first of all, they'll say, why have you declared? Uh, and secondly, they'll they'll say, kind of, like, you know, they overcame it. But from what I saw, um, you know, Harry was probably looking for 20 or so more runs from the tail uh, that didn't happen. So you can't, can argue that we, we kind of threw away two or three overs there. But having said that, if we'd given them the extra overs, it would have been a more co- even more comfortable win. So you can't win and you have to dangle the carrot, don't you? Yeah. Uh- you have to, you do, you do have to dangle the carrot, definitely. Um, but also, what I'd probably say is, is that you know, two seventy one, we back our ball and attack to defend that. Yep. Um, what I would say is, when you have a big partnership like that between Jack and Atif, it actually, with so few overs to go, the guys coming in are on a bit of a hide into nothing. Um, I mean, to throw the bat, and you can lose momentum quite quickly at the end of the innings. That's yep. why you know we saw it at Neston, two set batters. And then even when Harry got out because Al was there, you've got like real momentum going into the second half. So, you know, that's something definitely to think about there. It's also knowing what what sort of score you're looking for. He may have been looking for 270 and it's took us 53 overs to get there. Um, I still think it's a good declaration, Jim, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, and, you know, you you look at the scorecard that, you know, at one point when, when we've got them, 180 for six you're thinking actually it's a brilliant declaration because the game is naturally evolving which means there's chances you know they're still in the game obviously when Majid Majid's still in you know that he's a fine player and he's going to cause problems they, they've got they've got a, a decent batting line you've got that Ali Chugtai who's obviously quite a, a steady player uh, scoring a lot of runs in the league this year and also the re-emergence of Luke McCoy Luke's done a lot of hard work on his batting hmm. Um, and uh, he's starting to really flourish again this year. But, yeah, that guy, Majid Majid, you know, 83 off 80, ended up being kind of the um, the thorn in the side of uh, Chester on Saturday. Uh, ben Hewitt got 22 off 45, which, you know, is in, in the scheme of the game, actually was a brilliant innings because he, he managed to hold an end together and allow Majid to get on with it. You know, there's a few things that came out of the game, and, uh, you know, uh, myself and Harry, discussed it and, and we took a few things into the Sunday you live and learn um, but it is it, you know it's, it's a developing team and it's just trying to in those sort of scenarios being able to come up with a, a scenario or a game plan to be able to outfox these you know these these top players and uh, it just looked like Majid got the better of us they did, and that they're on a roll, aren't they, Witness? You would have, uh, you would have loved it because the second team, the Witness second team, had been to I think it was Bowden and uh, rolled Bowden for fifty nine. So they were all back by mid afternoon, and uh, by later afternoon they were quite well refreshed. It was fair to say. So there was a, a bit of a hubbub around the place. Uh, I know because I was sat in the middle of it. Uh, but you would have, um, you've been certainly well up for that. It was, uh, it was a noisy old environment. Uh, and the other thing is that um, Graham Money, funnily enough, was walking around as uh, as Alex was out and uh, Chester were 10 for two. Um, and we were talking to the locals about how, you know, what a decent score is on that pitch. And uh, they said, well, it's been 270 recently. And both of us said, oh, I'm not going to get 270 today. Uh, <laughs> and we did. And <laughs> witness did. Yeah, mad, isn't it? It's, it, it? it's unbelievable, really, to think about it. Um, and, and you know, they've, they've come really well. They've come, you know, at the start of the season, really struggling. And now all of a sudden it's, um, you know, we've just got to that point now where um, they're, they're getting a bit of momentum into the second half of their season. And they seem to have quite a settled side as well. So, that's you know, that's that's really good. Um, and they're a good side with this and, and they've done a lot of hard work on the wicket as well. So, you know, fair play to them. And, and I'm sure they'll finish the season strong. 
Where does that leave Chester then, Lee? Obviously fourth in the table. It's a shame that uh, that Oxton game isn't going to get replayed by the look of it. We've run out of time there. Uh, we weren't able to, to, to get a fixture together. But uh, uh, seven points from that pushes into fourth. Um, can it get any better than that, do you think, between now and the end of the season? Um, I, th- I think realistically you keep you keep playing, don't you? You keep going. Um, I, I think somewhere, you know, third or fourth, we want to qualify for the national next year. It's a good opportunity for us to um, kick on. And um, yeah, you know, just the, the opportunity to, to really give players opportunities on a Sunday. It's more cricket. It, so I, I think for us, we've got to be looking to finish in that top four. I think that's really important. Um, and kind of, you know, the league campaign, if we if we get over the line in the Chess Cup final, Jim, you know, leaving senior players out on certain Saturdays and uh, playing on Sunday becomes a little bit more worthwhile. It'll be, you know, a real disappointment if we didn't get over the line in the Cheshire Cup and then we've got, you know, six, seven games where we've maybe gone into Saturday games just with weakened teams to prioritise cup games. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a massive day that on the 5th of September. Um, but I think, you know, realistically, the group we've got at the moment, I think somewhere around that third or fourth would probably be a really true reflection mm. of our season, really. It's a shame we don't qualify for Europe if we win the... Uh, would the be, would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, come on, talk us through the game uh, on Sunday afternoon then. Um, Hyde, our old friends in town. Chester against Hyde, the other semi-final, Bollington against New Brighton. Yeah, you know, look, Hyde... Um, like I said, you know, there's just there's never a straightforward game against Hyde. Doesn't matter what you know, the ebbs and flows of the, both sides uh, over the years when one's been stronger than the other or whatnot. They're just a, they're just a very very competitive side, and you know the wicket that we uh, kind of were looking to have was to flatten it out, turn it into a big bat off. Um, and the weather last week just didn't really help Keggy out at all. Now. It was super, you know, superbly prepared. It was just a bit tacky, which actually suits their attack a little bit more than what we were hoping. Um, they won the toss, elected to bat, uh, and actually there was a little bit in it for us, which was really good. I thought uh, Luke and uh, George McCormack uh, did a good job up the top for us. Um, George picking up uh, one fur and, and Luke three uh, out of their fifteen point two overs, so uh, a good return for them. Uh, Mid- middle overs, Jim, you know, we had them uh, 48 for four. There was a fantastic one-handed run out of our old player, Noah Vickery, by Warren Goodwin. Mm. Um, I-, I think Noah was at the non-striker's end and, and Fisher, the non uh, the guy at the other end, probably does- looked at Warren and gone, he's 35. <laughs> um, and obviously, Warren's a very fine fielder uh, in patches these days. I think you could see Noah's face was like, oh, no because uh, he's seen that many a time. So a great bit of fielding from Warren. But uh, ultimately, we, you know, the, the spinners have been the cornerstone of our attack for a long, long time. They didn't bowl great. Uh, bowled two, three different lengths, um, which gave Hyde the opportunity to score. Uh, we managed to take wickets at kind of regular intervals. Uh, James Duffy, top scoring with 35 for Hyde. Uh, sorry, never. Danny Cramner with 47 mm. and James Duffy with 35. Um, kind of pulled them up to a, a half decent total of 153, but you kind of felt if we just we just put our head down and batted well for the first hour that it was just going to fall away from them. And we actually started well. Rick and Warren got us off to a positive start, and it was uh, 27 on the board when Rick fell, 
Uh, he played a couple of really nice shots up to then. You're thinking, right, there we go, we're off. Um, then a bit of a middle order collapse. Uh, Al Money, Harry, and myself all went cheaply. Uh, Luke Young came to the crease, and you know it seems to be in these chases, Jim, where they're not massive chases, but if Luke's got time to bat, it kind of suits him. Yeah. Um, you know the, these kind of 150, 180 chases where the scoreboard pressure isn't there. He seems to know how to anchor the innings well. Um, he ended up with a splendid 40 not out, and it was it was down to Charlie Fleet yep. with 18 not out as well to kind of get us um, into um, a situation really where we could actually you know really get over the line as such. I think that's the main thing, you know, get get, get over that, get over the line, get the win, and uh, the two young lads did the job fantastically well and. You know, I, I thought it was really interesting to talk about ebbs and flows and whatnot. There's quite a few speckies down from Hyde, and I think at half time they thought they'd maybe um, let themselves down a little bit. I thought their their young left arm spinner Charlie Barnard bowled really well, and mm. also Ben Balderson. Um, so they've obviously got some good good young players to to look forward to, and and they've got a tough last six weeks of the season now because they they had a really close uh, defeat at Didsbury on the Saturday. So they they're literally points above the the drop zone as well. So hopefully you know they're they're our old friends. We'd like them to to stay in the league and uh, be around next year for for another couple of good battles as well. And uh, also uh, the opportunity for uh, you know a, a game against our our old rivals from the Liverpool competition, New Brighton. Yep, New Brighton, who saw off uh, Bollington in the other semi final. I think it was was it four wickets or or six wickets? Yeah. It, I th- I th- Bollington just didn't score enough runs, no, Jim. No. Um, and, you know, they, Bollington have got, uh, they're a little bit top heavy. They've got, you know, like most first division sides, they've got some very, very good players, but normally they have less of them than some of the Premier League sides. Um, and New Brighton made early end roads early in the game. And, you know, it was uh, a problem for Bollington to recover and make a real score that was going to get them over the line. And uh, New Brighton's. Uh, South African international uh, Pete Billion, uh, who's played for um, the T20 side in the last 12 months for South Africa. He was there at the end, not out, you know, steady pair of hands. And uh, Matt Thompson brings his side to Filkins Lane for the final. OK, just going back to uh, to Charlie and uh, to Luke there. Um, I mean, just, just just worth mentioning the fact that that was, that was the biggest partnership of the innings. And uh, Rick said to me at the drinks break that... Um, that we really just need one partnership here, one one partnership, and I thought two things really from Luke's perspective. I mean, it was it was tough out there for him, wasn't it, against his old colleagues who were quite lively, it's fair to say. And then from Charlie's yeah. point of view, we've seen Charlie do this two or three times, haven't we? Where he almost relishes in the fact that uh, he's got a job to do, uh, and boy, did he do it well. Yeah, he he does do it well, Jim. That's the thing; he does do it well. Um, he's he's very solid. Um, He's good in defence and kind of he knows his, his, his scoring areas. His batting has come on leaps and bounds, though. I think we're probably being a bit unfair. You know, you go back two years ago, it was like he, he, he was like the wall. You weren't going to get him out, but he wasn't scoring. And then this year, he's had the opportunity to bat, whether it be at under 19, whether it be in the LMS, right? We're on tour. He's had a few hits in the first team. You know, he, he's had more chances to bat, and uh, you can certainly see that. He looks like he's. He's got a little bit of confidence. He knows his game, and uh, he 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 worked really well with Luke. And it was good to see Luke had the confidence into 
rotate the striking and give Charlie his yeah. fair share of the balls as well. So, yep, a fine innings of 40 not out uh, from Luke Young. And uh, after the game, Lee caught up with him. Uh, Luke, he must be absolutely delighted to get the team over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, losing a few wickets early on, putting a bit, putting a bit of pressure on. It's um, it was hard going out there, especially with James Duffy behind behind the stumps, giving me a lot of grief. Uh, it wasn't easy, but got over the line eventually. And yeah, happy days. You're a competitive character, obviously. Duff's a competitive character. If you if you go head to head with people like that, you tend to it goes backwards and forwards a little bit. That sort of environment's only going to make you tougher and stronger. It must be really good to get the job done and be not out at the end. Oh, absolutely. Duff's obviously been a great player, he still is. But when he's when he's coming at you, it's um, it's quite a different environment to other players. Being not out at the end, it's obviously it's a great feeling. And, Hopefully we can win the final now. So from you, obviously, you know, uh, bowling seems to have, over the last couple of weeks, you've had some some good performances with the ball and obviously are not out with the bat today. It must give you a lot of confidence going in towards the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. Um, hoping that I can push on and make a, few, make a few more league runs and hopefully win the final for Chester. Fantastic. Well, Youngie, well done today. Everyone's delighted and uh, hopefully we get a home final and uh, be able to do it all over again. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. <laughs> well done, mate. Cheers. And highlights of that one on uh, on the website, by the way, just in case you want to go. Yeah, really just, I've just started, just started watching some of them. Definitely, if you weren't at the game yesterday or even if you were, well worth uh, 15 minutes and a cup of coffee watching that. Some, uh, some good shots and uh, some really good wickets. Excellent. Okay, Lee, so that takes care of the first team. Match reviews and previews. Second team, meantime, we're at home to Marple, and here's what Dan Riley had to say about things. Second team took on Marple at home on Saturday, looking to extend their unbeaten run in July and hoping to actually add a win to that unbeaten run in July. Um, Griff managed to not lose a toss, and we put Marple in on a pitch that looked pretty helpful, actually. And the bowlers were, were ready and raring to go and trying to extract as much movement and pace and bounce and all the usual things from the track. And they did so. Um, Matty Brain opened from at one end and was joined by Sam at the other and immediately caused problems. And Griff gathered the, the troops around into good catching positions. Uh, Matty Brain obliged first, uh, taking a middle pole out of uh, the opening batsman, captain from Marple. And then uh, continued to find the edge, which Griff gleefully caught in the slips. And then Freddie Ogilby got in on the act and caught another one. So they were very quickly three down. All the scalps had gone to Matty Brown, who was bowling really nicely. That's not to say Sam wasn't bowling well at the other end. It's just he wasn't getting the wickets at that point. And uh, Griff used the old captain's mind games, suggesting Sam was bowling his last over. And lo and behold... An edge through to Freddie, who took a fantastic one-handed catch, um, diving across first slip, uh, taking a great catch at, uh, yeah, as wicketkeeper. And then, same trick again, last over Sam, another wicket, fantastic, five down for not so many. And then there was a little bit of a partnership um, between two of their batsmen, who were intent on not getting out, but equally intent on not particularly playing any shots. And they, they batted steadily, stoically, in fact, and, and used up lots of overs, lots of balls, and did squeak the odd single and here and there, crashed the odd boundary. Um, Rob Fisher and myself bowled at them, couldn't, couldn't get the wicket. Jake Wonky managed to come on and get one wicket. And uh, the partnership moved along, and the game was bobbling along over around 100. And in the end, uh, a few lustier blows uh, came along before Rob Fisher managed to get the three wickets on the bounce. 
and I managed to get the last one and we bowled them out for 152, uh, which I think was way below par on a track that we'd have been looking to get over 200 on. Um, so a chase, chase was on. We decided to open with uh, Ben Spaven and Matt Griffiths in the absence of Matt Hodges and various other people who've opened, looking to get some impetus at the start of the innings, actually. Uh, we've been a little bit steady ourselves, so by Ben going in, we thought he'd play his shots, hit the balls around, and that's what he did, and we rattled along to 30-odd before Ben was given out dubiously LBW. Um, all batsmen think it's dubious, don't they? But he was uh, a little bit disgruntled coming off, and... Um, Griff carried on with his old mate Jack Yates who strode to the middle, never wears a helmet, rarely wears a cap and he swept and whacked it around and he was, he was brilliant Jack, uh, up the ante, kept the score ticking along, lots of boundaries, lots of clean striking and he and Griff ran well and they put on about 60 or so which really knocked the stuffing out of Marple and uh, Jack eventually holed out, um, he was keen to watch the Lions and it was about 5-5 five to five, but he holed out. Um, trying to clear clear the boundary with another slog sweep for a fantastic 46. Matt Griffiths then carried on. He managed to keep going and bizarrely swept one from way outside leg stump and was slightly early on it, bounced back off his forearm and uh, hit, the, hit the middle stump, which is unfortunate. But he'd done his work. The bulk of the job was done with 44. Um, Joe Caloran went out to the middle to join Ed Owen, who was uh, batting at five. Joe, Joe was four, Ed was five. And they knocked the ball around. Uh, Joe looked to try and pull lots of things and, and hit a few good shots before being out caught and bowled. And Freddie Ogilvy strode out to block and uh, nudge his way to try and get the winning runs, which they did. Um, Ed Owen hit a, a beautiful four, cover drove one, and um, we won quite comfortably in the end. 25 points plays four. Uh, really good all-round performance. Though, like I said, there was some excellent catching. Freddie Ogilvy's catching behind the stumps was was really good. Uh, Matt Griffiths got three slip catches himself. Um, there was one slight uh, a blot on our landscape, if you will. Where Ed Owen dropped one, standing in front of his father at, at deep square leg, having just been put there to try and uh, get the catch. A catch which, actually, in fairness, he, was, he never looked like catching. But other than that, it was a really excellent fielding performance. Lots of diving stops, um, lots of uh, accurate throws and things, and uh, lots of pressure on the batsman. So really good uh, team performance. We move on next week to take on Didsbury away, champions elect Didsbury away, who are as strong as, as a, any team in our league, really. And uh, they've, they've been in excellent form. They've been beating everybody comfortably. So hopefully we can go there and give them a game. They didn't beat us here. We drew. and uh, They couldn't bowl us out. So hopefully we'll go there. And uh, we'll we'll give them give them a good game and uh, come away with twenty five points and yeah hopes hopefully that's how it goes. Match reviews and previews. There you go, Lee. Um, unbeaten, unbeaten throughout July. Uh, our uh, Matt's army and Matt uh, came out trumps, didn't he? Yeah, lucky quality player Griff, isn't he? You know, at, at second team level, he's he's been uh, a proven run scorer for many years. I'm I'm, I'm pleased that he, uh, he he got some himself. I think he's been finding it tough you know with uh selection being so up and down and having a settled side and whatnot but you know it certainly started to look a, a little bit more like uh the team he he'd like to pick and you know this week with the return of warren on saturday and um alex townend um that the second team will automatically become stronger again which is fantastic um you know him with 44 a squash buckle in 46 from jack yates and then uh, Ed Owen with 21. Ed's been working hard on his batting gym. Uh, he's been doing a little bit of 
work with Alex Money in the Nets as well. Um, and uh, Ed getting 21 outs always always good to see. Um, and look, they've won that game quite comfortably by six wickets. Um, and it's, it's a good win. In the first half, it was, you know, Matt Brain getting three for at the top. That's great to see. Matt's had a, a really steady season this year. It turned into a bit more of an all-rounder rather than just a bowler. Uh, Sam Mallows with a couple of wickets and then Robin Fisher coming out with the broom at the end and getting three for 28. Yeah, can they push up to uh, finish second, perhaps? Um, it, it, Just a bit of consistency between now and the end of the year. I do think it's a very, very competitive league that they're playing in this year. They've got a game in hand, whether that can be rearranged or not. It, if they can get that rearranged and win it, then yeah, they can push up towards the, the you know the higher echelons. But you know, fair play to Didsbury, Jim. They're, mm. they're challenging in the Premier League and the top of the uh, second eleven Premier League as yep. well. So, you know, normally you know you, you look at a club and they're strong in one particular area. That you know that's obviously a strong cricket club this year. And uh, fair play to Nick Anderson and. Uh, his merry men there uh, for for doing such a good job, but they they look like a very decent side. Okay, uh, let's uh, we'll come on to the, the weekend's fixtures in a second, but let's just uh, catch up with the thirds first of all. And uh, George Metcalf and Co, uh, along with Lee Dixon, went to Port Sunlight, and here's what George made of it. The threes made the short trip at the Wirral Peninsula this weekend to take on Port Sunlight. Uh, we're expecting a strong test. The side has sat fourth in the table, um, even though they've had quite a few games uh, curtailed due to rain and Covid, so uh, expecting a tough test, and so it turned out to be. Um, upon winning the toss, uh, George had little in, little hesitation in deciding to bowl first on uh, what was a very green and quite damp pitch that you're hoping would dry out throughout the day um, and hopefully make batting a bit more favourable in the second half for us. Um, in a much-changed bowling lineup, uh, due to availability and players getting promoted, uh, Dave Henson and the evergreen Joe Maddox opened the bowling, um, both did well. Um, taking advantage of um, the bowler-friendly pitch, um, both picking up a wicket apiece too. Uh, Dave doing excellent, uh, performing excellently, stepping in for his first game for the thirds this season, and Joe bowling his usual mixture of uh, slow swing, medium off-spin bowling. Um, uh, it's a great effect, uh, keeping runs very much to a premium. I think um, in the thirteenth over, there was a, by the thirteenth, by the time the thirteenth over came around, there'd only been around two boundaries. Um, and this trend really continued as uh, Moss and Sahil uh, came on um, and again keeping things tight, both again picking up uh, wickets apiece. Um, so about the 30 over mark, Port Sunlight probably going to get about 3 and over, probably about 85, 90. Um, and we, were, we felt quite in control of the game. And unfortunately, the last 10, we sort of, with things we started to let, let things slide a little bit. The host probably put on around 60 in the last 10. Which at Chester doesn't seem like a lot, but away at Port Sunlight, 60, 60 in the last turn is a pretty decent effort. Um, so their number six came in and hit some pretty lusty blows um, as they probably closed on 156 uh, for six, with Joe running out um, someone on the last ball of the game. Um, and Dave Henson also picking up a wicket in his second spell. So 156 sounds like below par, but in reality, it was probably 30 more than it could have been, um, given where we were at the 30 over mark. Um, but we had the batting to do it, even though it was a tough surface that hadn't really improved throughout the first 40 overs. Um, but we had Tommy and Ian opening the batting. Um, 160 stand last week. Uh, this week we had a stand of two. So the polar opposite of last week. Um, and that tend kind of to set the tone for the rest of our innings, really. Um, by the 10 over mark, I think we've mustered around eight. The loss of about three wickets. 
credit to the Port Sunlight bowlers who really took advantage of the surface, uh, hitting their lengths hard and making making the runs really hard to come by. Um, it was not through lack of effort um, that these were, <laughs> that we weren't scoring. It was just good bowling and really excellent fielding too. Um, they had their plans well set and were pretty savvy in the field. Um, so we were never really in the game, to be honest. It was only Joe Maddox and Ian Metcalf that made it uh, past double figures, with Ian batting the whole 40 overs himself for a very important 42, which sort of held our innings innings together. The few runs that were scored, most of them were scored by Ian, so it was a credit to him. He probably won us uh, about three points by himself out of six, so it was a pretty decent effort from him. As we ended on around 89 for nine off our 40, which just proved how tricky it was batting and how well the opposition had bowled. Uh, so we fall off the top of the table, we slip down to third, but with all still to play for as we still need to play Lim um, on the last game of the season and our opposition Port Sunlight from uh, Saturday's game have to play both Olvenley and Lim, who are the two teams above us. So still plenty to play for and if we win all our games we are guaranteed promotion. Um, so that's still something to work towards, six games to go, six, to, six wins and we'll be back in the county league, which is what we want hopefully. Um, so cheers, see you about next week, thanks. Match reviews and previews from Chester Porton Hall. Okay, so, so Lee, you were there as well, enjoying it with uh, young Albie. Um, how, yeah. How was it? it well, I, di- I didn't see much of the first half, um, but it was uh, it was a green deck. Uh, there was plenty of bounce in it, Jim, like almost steeple in bounce. I don't think this was the weekend where George wanted to miss three of his seamers. Uh, through holiday unavailability, called to the first team, whatever it may be. Um, so it wasn't, you know, the the ideal attack for to, you know, he opened up with Dave Henson, who's obviously a handy bowler coming up from the fort, and Joe Maddox, who's a spinner. Um, again, you know, on a on a wicket where they they opened up, they're a second team Port Sunlight, and they opened up with two very very handy. Um, seamers, and there was a distinct difference. You know, I, I think if you, you had your Ben Harveys, your Jake Wunkies, um, you know, Dave Fisher, I think that would have made a big difference. Um, and we've probably ultimately gave them probably 20 or 30 too many, um, which is, is frustrating. But um, in response, like I said, they bowled extremely well. Uh, the, you know, Tom Evans went very, very cheaply at the top uh, to a short ball and then literally the middle order, you know, Archie and Dan Pond went, went without challenging the scorers. Marius, who's obviously a massive wicket and uh, they knew he was a massive wicket when they got him out as well. He got six and there was only Joe Maddox who made double figures except uh, Ian Metcalf who batted all the way through for 42. Now, what I would say is people may look at that and go, Ian, 42, not out of 40 overs. Has he batted them into a hole? It was, it was, it was not the case at all. Um, what I would say is, is that he's um, he he played the short ball and was technically set up, and you can see he's played a lot higher. Uh, he was getting singles early in the over, and other guys were finding it tough to rotate the strike. And I think he was just trying to take the innings as deep as he could. But you know, the outfield it was lush after a, a week of rain, and the, the wicket was tough, and it was always going to be a really Difficult chase. We managed to hold on nine down. They did lose the game, but you do get two two additional points if you're not bowled out. So uh, it does give a little bit of a different complexion to the, the league table. They've gone from first to third, um, and it's really kind of got very tight at the top. They've brought Port Sunlight back into it uh, in fourth place, and they're now just 
uh, 14 points behind our third 11, and we're 11 points behind Alvin at the top of the table. But they take on the second place at Lim, Outrington Park next week. So something's got to give there. So you'd like to think that our thirds will at least be back in the top two by the end of next Saturday night. If we can turn this this uh, defeat round from this week. I did see George briefly on Saturday night and he just, just, just felt at the real leveller. But the, the medal of the day surely goes to uh, to the wizard, Mr Maddox Senior, uh, our intrepid reporter who uh, braved uh, Port Sunlight ahead of the rugby. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a fair slog for Dave. Long weekend for him, really. Uh, he's obviously... I, I, and this is what I would say. We all know what a, a fantastic uh, rugby supporter he is, especially of uh, of Chester. He was delighted in pre-season. I think he was there on Friday uh, for their pre-season game. First time he'd been down there for 18 months. And uh, I said to him, said, oh, how was the rugby? He said, I'll be honest, I can't remember much of it because I spent so much time catching up with people I hadn't seen uh, in his little corner there, which is, which is great. Um, but, you know, the week before when the Lions were on, to be fair... He, he doesn't miss a ball of that third team, uh, Jim. Uh, he just put it on the sky planner. He said, I can I can watch that when I get in. He said, I've got to watch the boys. So that was certainly the case. He was uh, tucked away in the corner at Port Sunlight. And uh, yeah, it wasn't quite the best day out for him, but I'm sure he'll be there next week. Absolutely. Uh, and you did, um, you mentioned in your roundup there, Alvin Lee. And a word about Alvin Lee in the weekend for them? Yeah, wow, for that. Well, it was unbelievable really because you know the, the fact now they've now reached the uh the semi-final the one game away from lords now we saw that a halfway 128 all outs and you're thinking oh no they've they've blew it you know uh mike Rowland's 42 at the top uh did, did a sterling job we've seen him he's a quality player the captain um but you know the middle order like completely capitulated really but it was the old stager, Andy Benyon, 35 off 69, that ultimately probably was the match-winning innings because no one except him and Mike even made double figures. Uh, there was a collapse at the end there. Uh, they were bowled out a ball before the end of the innings for, for 128. Uh, Horton Main, in response, though, really got put under the screw early on by Chris Charles and James Eccleston. Um, and uh, between them, bowling 15 overs, um, only conceded 18 runs. Uh, Chris Charles getting three wickets, but Lee Ainsworth came on in those middle overs and managed to get four for 18. So well done to him. They won by 28 runs, and that means now that, like I said, one game away um, from from Lords, which is fantastic. Calmore Sports Cricket Club have already made the final, um, and Alvin Lee will take. I think I think they take on Nayland. But I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to check that. And they won't be asked to play two games in one day this time round, will they? No. Um, obviously, their second team, their second team yesterday, or I'm presuming their second team, um, took on Lindo. Uh, Lindo scored 248 for four uh, in in 38 over 39 overs declared, and uh, in res- in response, uh, they were 49 all out. And I'm just looking through the scorecard. Uh, I, in, in first team terms, I, I don't recognise pretty much any of the players that were mm-hmm. playing for Alvin Lee. Um, so fair play to them. They've managed to get a side out and they fulfilled the fixture, which is, you know, very decent of them. Uh, but you know, yeah. the problem you've got is when the, when the league have put these rules down, um, they've they've obviously 
put these benchmarks in place so games don't roll over. Albany couldn't play ne- next Sunday anyway because they've got the semi-final of the Village Knockout. But it's had a massive effect on the season, Jim, because that game there, uh, all of a sudden, Lindo, who were in second, I've, I've put a gap of 26 points between Alvin Lee and, and, and themselves. And that's basically all the points difference from yesterday. So, you know, a bit sad. If they go on and win the Village uh, National Cup, I'm not sure they'll be that bothered. But I think not a great reflection of the organisation of the league, really, there. Uh, you know, surely you want your your teams to do well in these national competitions, and, and there may have been a little bit of leeway being able to be used there because there is six weeks left in the season. Okay, Lee. Uh, right. So, uh, forthcoming weekend, uh, we're, we're we're done in the cups. Um, but on Saturday, oh, sorry, we should mention the ladies. Uh, we we haven't got the uh, ladies on uh, this week. Um, obviously, Nicole was on last week, and the ladies sit proudly top of the league. But they, uh, I think, they play next on the fifteenth, Lee, don't they? At, uh, at home, uh, the twos, ladies, twos, uh, lost. Uh, this weekend, uh, quite quite convincingly. So I saw saw die briefly, but I didn't uh, dare approach her yesterday. So we'll, we'll move on. With what, what what what? Do you know one thing I would say, Jim? It was fantastic to see they were playing Harden, mm. um, Harden Park, and it, yeah, it was a bit of a trance in. So we won't we won't go too much into the game. But uh, what I would say is they all stayed around. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, both teams to to watch the game, which was really fantastic. So that that was that was good. Uh, and Nandu, who's been a bit of a star this year for some seconds, she got 29. So it'd be, it'd be, oh, uh, excellent. yeah, yeah it, it was well worth a mention. So yeah, not ideal, but you know, like I said, good to see them supporting. And it's all about that game on the 15th. We're, we're literally just under two weeks away now between that. Basically, it's like a final, isn't it? Yes. Between Didsbury and Chester women. So uh, at the moment, we're sitting pretty and hopefully we can stay there because that'd be an unbelievable achievement if the girls could go on. And lift the crown this season. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, Lee, the um, the fixture list this coming weekend, uh, no cup games in sight. The ones are at home to Didsbury, uh, who are in second place at the moment, obviously. The twos, that big game at Didsbury. The threes are at home to Runcorn. Uh, you should really take next weekend off, Lee, because you've, you've waxed lyrical about where on earth Barnton is. Well, if you go with the fourth team next week, you could go there. Yeah, Barnton. So uh, we'll definitely have to ask Ian that because, you know, I think it's good that we get to know a little bit more about some of these other grounds in the area. But the fourth team, uh, you know, uh, should be well rested. They've had two weeks off. Fantastic that, whoever's organised that, by the way. Two weeks off in the middle of the season. Uh, I've always said that if they put one week in the middle of the season, maybe the first or second week of the school holidays, I think you'd you'd find a lot the availability would be so much better among players mm. because it gives everyone a, a, a you know a two week window to go on holiday um, instead of people missing games left right and centre. But yeah, it'd be great for Ian and his guys to get back out there and uh, you know take on uh, Barnton and uh, let's see if they can uh, keep going on their their merry way um, up near the top of uh, that division. Threes at Runcorn, home to Runcorn. Yeah, Runcorn. The, earlier in the season, I'm trying to think back. I'm pretty sure that Jake Wonky got a load of wickets there, mm. if I remember rightly. Um, but um, yeah, I think it'd be good for them to to get home. And you know, like I said, there'll be a couple of players coming down from the seconds because the first have got a few players back, so that'll strengthen. Um, it just looks like that. You know, it'd be good for them to maybe have a little bit more in the seam department. Um, 
And yeah, look, George does a really good job. I, th- I just think it's important to get back to winning ways as quickly as possible and don't let the uh, the gap between those two sides um, above them, uh, Lim and Alvin Lee, stretch any further. Because I know that his main aim for the season is is promotion and try and close that gap between uh, second and thirteen cricket. Yeah. Uh, Didsbury doubleheader then, first and seconds. Ah, uh, wow. They've had a good season, as you said earlier. Yeah. Um, very, very decent side, Didsbury. Um, I do believe that, you know, look, head-to-head, uh, head, uh, I, I fancy us on Saturday and they're above us in the league. Um, they've obviously got some really dangerous players. You know, uh, Tim Hughes, who's obviously been playing for Cheshire, Charlie Loudon, uh, Steve Green, arguably the, the best left-arm spinner in our league. You know, very, very handy cricketer. Um, Nick Anderson, uh, who didn't look very charmed about being given out as a cracking clip. Uh, from the weekend, of uh, he obviously bottom edged um, an LBW shout off Danny Cramner and just you know exacerbated arms flung into the air. This that and the other. So that was quite a lot of fun. <laughs> that was doing the rounds on the WhatsApp groups. Um, and uh, yeah, um, the other one that I think knits them together quite nas- nicely is that Henry Charlton. Is it? Yeah, he seems to do a real nice job in the middle order. He's really solidified what they're doing. So. They're, they're a very, very handy side. Um, but, you know, if the weather's good this week, we'll be playing on the same wicket as yesterday. Uh, that'll dry out. I think it's going to be a, a real high-scoring affair. Jim Law and Lee Dixon. The full toss. Okay, Lee. Um, what's that I can hear? It's Jack. Let's hear what Jack has to say. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Wij gaan feesten. Week 16 of the Fantasy League and runaway leader John Scott is at it again. His lead at the top is now 592 points. And with just six weeks remaining, surely you can't lose it from here. Atif Qureshi was the highest scoring player this week, bringing in 146 points for his 100 in a losing cause away at Widnes. I had 121 points for my 86 in a wicket. And Matt Griffiths rewarded his loyal following with 74 points for his 44 and three catches. Ian Metcalf, Matty Brain, George McCormack, Robin Fisher and Harry Kaloran all coming in around the 50-point mark. Overall then, it's Marius Mossart who's the closest challenger to John, with Dan Pond and Nicole Fisher coming in just behind. Lee Dixon rounds off the top five with work to do. Cheers! Well, there's Jack's summing up, Lee. Um, what about uh, what about the Dixon situation? Yeah, uh, well, I, I certainly won't be uh, playing uh, on Saturday, so I'd get me out your side. So that's always a good start. <laughs> um, so, but you know, look, the the fantasy league, uh, John Scott's are just ploughing away uh, as much as we all try. The problem is now, Jim, is that a lot of the teams look quite similar. So it's really hard unless you're looking to do something a little bit funky and it comes off. You know, you you want to have you want your Matt Griffiths in your team, you want your Maris your, your Mariuses, your Harry Kalorans, your Jack Williams. Um and because Warren hasn't played many Saturdays, Rick's not been in great form, and Money's been injured, there's a the the expensive batters don't haven't been getting picked which means there's actually a lot more money to spend on the expensive bowlers and all-rounders. So um, the, the key one is is when the, the women's games start being played again because, there's you know, if they get a double header where they're playing twice in a week, 
you, that may be a way of getting some double points. But at the moment, it's looking pretty ominous. Uh, Scotty at the top, it's for him to lose. Um, and he's just not going to forget to do his team, is he? <laughs> he's going to oh. get it right. So, no, but it's been really good. I think Jacko's done a fantastic job uh, and it is one of my favourite parts when I listen back to the podcast sometimes is uh, listening to Jack go through the fantasy league. So, no, it's uh, it's been really good. And remind me, first prize again, it's that all-expenses-paid trip to um, to Australia. Is that right? I can't remember. Yeah, it must be taken in the next six months. Yes. So if, if the borders don't open, sadly, you know it's just one of those things. Yeah, more right. more than more than more than likely to be a trophy from Whitchurch Sports, I think. Jim. Oh yes, yeah, Brian's finest, absolutely. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, uh, so what are you up to now, Lee? Um, how's your week panning out? It's a bit of last uh, last man standing stuff, and uh, um, yeah, well, we've got we've we've got our uh, the Bolton Buffaloes um, playing the LMS on Wednesday against the team based out of Oxton, the Lion Pride. Um, so they've got they've got a team coming up. Uh, we've got a, a few Chester lads coming in because uh, James Duffy's not available this week, who plays for our, our side, and Chris Stenhouse, who actually is from Oxton. He's not available either. So uh, Andy Metcalf, who's one of our sponsors, he's getting a game. And uh, also Ben Spavo makes his debut as well. So it'd be nice to see Spavo uh, get a chance to where the, what, what should be the yellow kit, but it's lime green. It's a bit of fun, though, Jim. That's the main thing. Um, so that, that, and obviously, Nets later in the week as well. Um, looking forward to that, that Cheshire Cup final week. I was speaking to Keggy before. He has got a bonkers six days of cricket with the Lancashire um, girls team playing, uh, the, the two-dayer uh, or the three-dayer for the second eleven. Uh, there's a final on that week as well, so Keggy is going to well and truly be in his rest at the end of the season. <laughs> That's a bank holiday week, isn't it? I think it uh, is, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right, Lee. Well, uh, you best go and have a rest then. And uh, thank you for your contribution as forever. And we'll catch up next time. Brilliant. Cheers, Jim. Take care. So another full toss podcast bites the dust. Many thanks to that uh, real good insight from from Jamie. What a, a real breath of fresh air Jamie's been across the uh, the junior scene this summer. Thank you to Dan Riley um, with the twos, to George Metcalf with the threes as well, and well done to Luke Young after the great successes in that semi-final. Thank you to Lee Dixon, of course, as per ever, for uh, sticking the bits together. And thank you to you two for listening. Anything you want to hear, let us know. Anybody you want to be on it, let us know as well. In the meantime, lots of cricket still to go. The bar's open, of course. The tent's open. or even open upstairs as well. Have a good week. See you later. Cheers. The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall.